Podcast, the Athletic Toronto's Toronto Raptors Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. I'm joined from Cleveland by Eric Green. Eric, how is the land? Um, it's raining, eight degrees, and it smells like victory outside. Yeah, the land has been well defended. Yes. The, you, you would not believe that sign, that slogan is just all over Cleveland more than we the North is all over Toronto. Now maybe the, that's because. Sorry, go on. The, the thing about uh, defend the land is that it's dumb, and sounds dumb, and looks dumb. And they don't defend. That's that's true. But offend the land does not make sense, and the Raptors certainly failed to offend the land last night. Yes, the, bludgeon every opponent who tries to infiltrate the land is a much clunkier catchphrase. Yeah, um, but would be more accurate. Yes, so game one of the Toronto Raptors and the Cleveland Cavaliers in the second round of the NBA playoffs uh, occurred on Monday, and it did not go well for the Toronto Raptors. Final score of 116-105 in favor of the Cavaliers. That is not at all indicative of how this game went. Uh, there were nine points the Raptors made up in the closing three minutes and 18 seconds because shout out to Raptors 905. I, I Maybe you can tell me, Eric, did Jerry Stackhouse just walk to the front row of the bench for those last three minutes and 18 seconds? <laughs> Eddie Tavares almost switched sides and, and was like, I got to get on there with my... With my boys. Stackhouse is extremely large adult son, Eddie Tavares. Yeah. I I was walking through uh, the Quicken Loans arena, and there actually is, like, there's a, a big picture of every Cavs player in one hallway, and there is an Eddie Tavares picture. So I almost took a, a, a photo for you, um, but then I decided I didn't like you enough and went on with my plans to eat. That's fair. That's uh, that's what I would have done as well. Yeah. If if I if I liked or cared or had devoted as much of my life to anything as you devoted your life to the D League champions. Yeah. Yeah. Get those rings. Bruno Caboclo has a ring. It's amazing. Yep. You predicted it. He would be the first Raptor with a ring. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess technically Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam will get one at the same time, but. Does DeLon Wright get one? That's yeah, DeLon, DeLon Wright, Jakob Pertl will get one. Eddie Tavares will get one. The big question, though, is whether Jared Sullinger gets one or not. Because <laughs> by, by uh, definition, he's eligible to get one, whether he wants one or not. Do we know and for, for a fact that there are rings? for Yeah, they got, they got sized for them on Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you do know that. Yes. this Come on, man. I, I'm not going to not report this stuff. This is the minutia that uh, that you build your brand on. Yeah, apparently. Um, okay, so the minutia the Raptors have built their brand on uh, coming out really terribly in game ones and to start games. Uh, the Cavaliers punched them in the face basically right away, uh, trailing 8-3 already. LeBron James jumped the passing lane out of a trap, uh, pushed the ball ahead to Kyrie Irving, who then threw it off the backboard to LeBron James for an alley-oop. Three minutes into a second-round playoff game, the Cavs were throwing off-window alley-oops. I like, I like that after the game at LeBron's press conference, he was just like, you know, I told uh, 
I told Kyrie to, you know, throw it high and that he rethought his words. He's like, no, I told Kyrie to throw it to the sky. I like how that sounds better. So you can see that the Cavs are really troubled by by the Raptors, really, you know, worked up about the deepest team in franchise history. Yeah, this is uh, so this was kind of the undercurrent of the of game one is that, you know, the Raptors were deferent to LeBron James and the Cavs as the defending champions leading up to the series, which, you know, makes sense because they're the Cavs and they are, as you called them the other day, a transcendent offense. Um, the Cavs give far fewer shits about the Raptors, it seems. They were joking around on Snapchat while out for dinner while watching uh, Bucks raptors Game 6. LeBron threw down this alley-oop right away. Uh, Kevin Love and J.R. Smith almost injured each other, jumping into each other to celebrate a 3-1 and one in the first quarter. Uh, later, LeBron James would get wrapped in transition, uh, pretend to drink a beer. J.R. Smith looked ready to take his shirt off. Then Dante Jones, of all people... Uh, clowning the Raptors in garbage time by dunking with the shot clock off and uh, nearly inciting a a fight between himself and Norman Powell. The Cavaliers do not seem to be sweating the Toronto Raptors, Eric. No, and why would they right now? Like, they, the first three, you know, only three of those quarters were competitive, even if LeBron, by competitive, I mean when when the game was, at stake, if you want to say it was ever at stake, uh, the result, that is. And they put up 30-plus points in each of the first three quarters, and the Raptors' offense was ordinary. I mean, going 10 for 26 from three is about what you can expect from this team. Uh, they, They missed open shots, but they didn't miss or make more open shots than they usually do. And... This was the Cavs playing at the level they can play, and it was the Raptors playing at the level they usually play, kind of, you know? Like, yes. it's, uh, so that's, if that's the reality, which the the Cavs seem to think it would be, why would they sweat this? I'm not saying it can't change. That's not me saying Cavs in four. Um, but the Raptors did not play significantly worse than they usually do. I don't think. You, you know? So this is this is the interesting thing about it is that they got completely punked. They were down 25 at one point. Um, every time they got even remotely close, the Cavs pulled away. It, it felt like each of the four losses last year. Um, but the Raptors did some things well that you could build upon. Uh, Kyle Lowry played really well. DeMar DeRozan went up against a very game J.R. Smith defensively. Um, I thought DeRozan looked better than his 19 points on 16 shooting possessions and four turnovers would suggest. Sorry, 18 shooting possessions and, and four turnovers would suggest. Um, you know, they did some things okay, but the gap between what they did and what they normally do and what they have to do is substantial. So building on those small positives uh, is going to be really difficult. Also, the Cavs didn't really play as well as I think they might be able to play either. Um, yeah, uh, I think they were close. Like, really? where do you where do you see the room for improvement? Uh, they could try on defense for longer. Well, they really didn't seem all that engaged. Uh, they didn't get, you know, Channing Fry didn't do Channing Fry things that he normally does to the Raptors. Uh, the guys were busy doing them. <laughs> 34 threes is a lot, but like when you look at how good a shooting team Cleveland is, um, you know, 41% from three point range is good. They could definitely yeah. have higher variance games than that where they shoot, you know, if they yeah. shoot 50% and on that. I, I wrote, that, I wrote that in my game story. Like 
you know, what the Cavs did was a good Cavs game. Yeah. Uh, it was, like, not the best. And I was just challenging you to to see, because they were just so in control, like, so fundamentally in control, even when it got down to two or whatever it got down to in the second quarter, um, that it's hard to imagine them turning it up. Uh but they certainly can hit more three-pointers than they did. They could probably take more three-pointers than they did. Um, and uh, the defense, like, look, that's the big question about this team. Can they play more engaged defense for longer stretches? Like, when, I mean, the Raptors' biggest run came against the LeBron and the bench unit, which is not a good defense defensive lineup, typically. So we'll see about that. That, that I guess, is what I'm still a bit skeptical about in terms of saying the Cavs can take it to another level defensively. I'm not quite sure. But as as we look at this series in a vacuum, that seems maybe not to matter. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to sum it up. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of what hangs over this entire series is that the Raptors are going to have to be perfect. And they're not quite often. Also, being perfect means the other team has to let you be perfect, which is yeah. not easy either. Uh, I do think the Raptors could put a better foot forward, though. And this is something we've talked a lot about uh, during the end of the season, during the uh, first round of the playoffs, and even leading into this one. The starting lineup was a minus 10 in 13 minutes together. They continue to not be good. I think in all their games together, they have had a positive net rating or a positive plus minus once. And that's now seven games together with this particular fivesome. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas' place in this series can be called into question. Damari Carroll's place in the starting lineup can be called into question. Eric, before we get into what we would do, what you, Coach Eric Green, would do, will the Raptors make a change for Game 2? Um, I think the starting lineup will be the same for Game 2. And uh, I, I've just sort of gone through it in my mind of, you know, a few times last night. And if you're not starting Jonas Valanciunas then you're basically punting on him in this entire series, uh, which maybe they should do. But it's tough to squeeze him into the series if he's not playing with against Thompson because he's not guarding anybody else, certainly. Uh, and as for Carroll, I thought he was kind of fine. Like, Tucker's better. Tucker, you know, is ultimately the better defender on on James, but Tucker played 26 minutes to Carroll's 15, you know? So um, my guess is they try three or four minutes of JV before really uh, changing things up in the rotation. But that's just a guess, obviously. Yeah. Dwayne I, Casey has. I predicted before the series it would take until game three for them to change anything. Uh, Casey didn't say anything Monday that made me think otherwise. The team really did talk up, though, um, how much better they seem to be playing with speed and with quickness and, and getting stops and pushing the ball. And a big part of that was Norman Powell, who, yeah, you know, Nor Norman Powell played 21 minutes. Some of that was garbage time. Um, but that's probably about the role he's going to play in this series. I actually, if you're talking starting lineup changes, and we can, um, I would make the Tucker Carroll swap. I know it's not a big deal, and, I, and like minutes distribution is more important, especially since LeBron basically doesn't sit. Um, 
you need to put your best foot forward. You can't you can't get in a hole again psychologically and because it's exhausting to play that way. I'd make that swap. In terms of whether or not Valanciunas makes a switch, I don't think I'd go back to Norman Powell like they did against the Bucks. Um, one, because it creates a Kevin Love size mismatch where uh, either Powell or DeRozan is guarding him. Uh, but also because Powell off the bench against this really slow Cavs second unit uh, figures to be a, a pretty nice matchup the rest of the way, no? I think so. And, the, yeah, that's the big thing. They just need to find a way to get speed into the game against this team. And, and sure, Cleveland wants to run, but so does Toronto in the sense that they both want to get stops and run in transition. That's what every good team wants to do, right? So Yes, that, of course that's what these two below-averagely paced teams are talking up doing, just like the two glacially paced teams in the last series talked about doing the whole series. Yeah, and... What they just mean is, we want to stop the other team. <laughs> like, that's it. That's, really, that's it, right? Yeah. Like, that. that's... Forget about pace. Like, this isn't... You know, you can control your pace, your own pace, as much as you want, but neither of these teams is going to be sprinting off a made basket, no. you know? And there's still only 24 seconds on the shot clock for both of them, so they can only get so slow anyway. So, if you want to push the pace, then I think... You have to get more quickness into the game, and that means Norman Powell has a bigger role in this series, and maybe DeLon Wright gets into the series, although I don't think Wright for Corey Joseph in the rotation is happening quite yet. I was but, just going to ask you that. So Corey Joseph right. didn't see the floor in the second half. Uh, Kyle no. Lowry played the entirety of the third, or no, entirety of the third? I honestly don't remember. No, I, Lowry, I, Lowry wouldn't have done that. Lowry played... Um, Lowry played the bulk of the third, and then DeLon Wright came in in Corey Joseph's normal spot. Um, so that that was interesting, and I didn't think Corey Joseph played particularly well. I didn't think he played terribly, but that's kind of been the story for Joseph the entire postseason so far, is that, um, yeah, he hasn't played particularly well. So what do you... Well, oh, Joseph did play right and yet at the end he was of the on the floor quarter. for... What's that, sorry? Yeah. He was, and he was on the floor for the best spurt of the game. So, uh, last night, I mean, it's not like he was lighting it up, but he's not necessarily supposed to. So, I don't know. Yeah, he I, wasn't, I don't he wasn't awful that, or anything. He had I a neutral. I saw yeah, he had a neutral plus minus, which was better than almost anyone yeah. else. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of how small the Raptors want to go because, and here's the thing. With Valanciunas and with them emphasizing size, they're not taking advantage. Right. You know, they're not doing. He's he looked awful in the post last night. They grabbed forty-one uh, percent of rebounds when Valanciunas was on the floor. Yeah, and, and some of that had to do with Cleveland just making a ton of shots and there being no defensive rebounds to yeah. grab. But but that also has to do a bit with Valanciunas. <laughs> has to do more than a bit with Valanciunas. <laughs> so it's complicated. Do you do you punt? And that was what I got at, tried to get out of my game story. Do you punt the theoretical advantage you have over this team? Yes, and, because it's and, only theoretical. Yeah, and that's where I'm leaning. But also trying to beat Cleveland in the manner in which it's comfortable seems like a gambit, <laughs> to, put it, to put it politely. Yeah. There's not a... There's really not... This doesn't sound... Maybe this is reasonable. It's just pessimistic reasonable. 
Well, that's the thing. The, the reasonable take is that the Cavs are really goddamn good. <laughs> and it's going to take the Raptors trying some different things, getting a little bit lucky and playing their best basketball to win. That's That was always the story uh, of this series. It's nothing new. That's correct. Like, you have to hope that Cleveland has a few three-point game shooting games in the low 30s as opposed to the 40s and 50s um, to have a chance. And they just have so many shooters, and they have the best playmaker in the world setting them up. So, uh, who's also pretty good when he decides to make plays for himself. Um, so, this is what you're dealing with. And this is what the Eastern Conference has dealt with for seven playoffs now. And it has been an impossible nut to crack. And I think the Raptors have the pieces to try many different things. And I think it's incumbent on Dwayne Casey to start trying them sooner rather than later. But... Every plan is a gambit against this team because they're that versatile offensively. Yeah, they're annoying. <laughs> this, uh, and this is the thing. It kind of renders talking points fairly moot because, you know, tacti- even tactically, like those threes that Cleveland got, and I'm going to break them down at the Athletic a little later today, um, you know, the, the solution is basically play better defense. Like, it's not like there's a big strategic shift. You have two options when it comes to the Cavs, and it's uh, sell out to protect the paint and then scramble out onto shooters. And the Raptors chose that option and, and kept the Cavaliers only 36 points in the paint, which is, um, you know, pretty good against the Cavs. The Raptors won that battle. Or the other option is to, you know, play the paint one-on-one and stay at home on shooters. And that's kind of what they did in the two game, the first two games of the series last year, and they died. Yeah, so, I, was, I was just going to break that up. Like, yeah, so you kind of have to stick to what they did in this game and just hope that you can do it better, which, yeah, good luck. Yeah, and that, again, leads you to think, well, you need to get more quickness on the floor from the start. Yes, which, uh, you know, they'll do for game three, probably. <laughs> did you have well, any... Uh, I guess we should... Be alive. Pardon? What a time to be alive. Yeah. Uh, I guess we should talk about one more thing, just in case people care. Uh, were you bothered at all, or do you think the Raptors were bothered at all by the degree to which the Cavs were clowning around? I wasn't bothered. Um, the Raptors certainly did not give off an indication that they were bothered. As Dwayne Casey said, you want to, I mean, he didn't say it as directly as this, but you you stopped that by outplaying them and outworking them. And... I don't think it was an outworking question. I think their defense certainly wasn't communicating very well at times. But, um, I mean, Cleveland, they play with that sort of flair and joy and uh, uh, in terms of their offense, at least. And, you know, stop them. Yeah. Like, Look, I, I come back to when it comes to these kind of things and like, yeah, the dunk with the shot clock off is, is whatever. Um, but it, like the LeBron sipping a beer or the back, the alley-oop off the backboard or Smith and Love uh, celebrating, I come back to a David Priceism, and it, it was like a raise mantra a couple years ago. If you don't like it, pitch better. Yeah, and they were, and both Kyrie Irving and LeBron James talked very like strategically about the dunk off the off the glass, the alley-oop off the glass, like. That's what you want to do at the beginning of a game one in a series. Like, if you if you have the capability, like, 
why wouldn't you try to get the the crowd frenzied when you have, you know, somebody who can finish with a foot above the rim by catching the ball with his left hand off the glass on not a particularly great pass off the glass? Like, why wouldn't you do that as opposed to Kyrie Irving taking the layup? Like, the crowd went nuts. And... Now the Raptors have to, you know, think about what they're in for and they have to think about the fans and, um, like, that's, there's a lot to be said about trying that crap when you're that confident, you know? The downside is pretty limited too, right? Yeah. Oh, no, you give up two points. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't we just run back down the floor and score three really quickly? (laughs) So, I mean, the LeBron thing... It was spun like with the with the beer. It was sort of spontaneous. Like if I were the Raptors, maybe I would feel disrespected. But you gotta earn the respect. Like it's so try and go out and earn it. If that fuels you, I mean, I, I imagine it bothered a few of the players. But there's, I think, when you go to the next level of analysis, there. You figure out that you didn't do enough to to make the Cavs not want to be in that type of mood. LeBron's not doing that in a in a game he's nervous about. He's not doing it in the finals against the Warriors, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. Yeah, that'd be a pretty that'd be a pretty good way to come out in uh, in Game Three if if the series is tied at one and it goes back to Cleveland. No, I didn't mean the dunk. I meant the beer. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, okay, one one other question for you. Patrick Patterson's travel, the greatest travel of all time? Oh, God. Uh, Patrick Patterson did not make himself a lot of free agent money on uh, on Monday night. And I think he has a pretty crucial role to play in this series. If it's going to be any kind of series, you just have to hope he's his shot falls a bit more and, and he's, he's more dialed in, but... He spooked himself on that. Like I don't like I, I've watched it a few times now. I, I think what happened is he didn't expect to be so open. Like he was wide open. And he just, you know, confused himself. Like what else could it have been? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it, right? It was bad and not good. It was bad and not good. That's a good good way to describe this game entirely. Yeah. Bad? Not good. So not terrible, I guess, but it wasn't. It was pretty verging on terrible. This is a what I found it to be is I look, I'm I'm in favor of optimism. I think from a fan perspective, if you're not trying to talk yourself into ways that the Raptors could win this series ahead of it and everything, like, you know, kind of what's the point if you're not gonna root and you're not gonna have this blind optimism um, for anyone who was on the fence or who was looking objectively and thinking the Raptors had a chance, uh, this was a pretty quick recalibration of where everyone's expectations should be. Yeah. Um, but they're going to have to do more against this team to sort of validate their continued existence, right? Like, this is this is the measuring stick. Yep. After years of asking whether it's a measuring stick game or like a whole year of asking that question about regular season games, you know, you don't necessarily expect them to win, although I think it's certainly plausible, if not anywhere close to likely. But you want to see them give them a better series than they did last year. And if they can't, and if 
some of your core pieces look out of place against them, then you have to rethink what you're doing here. I think that is probably a conversation for next week's Raptors reasonable list when the Raptors are down three games to one. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a that's a bigger picture one that we probably shouldn't get into at the tail end of a game one podcast. But yes, those. Okay. Uh, Do you think Dwayne Casey will ever call into a call-in show like John Gibbons? Uh, maybe if you float him my number, he'll call into this one. Yeah, he'll call into the Raptors reasonable. Yes, he does. Uh. You know, he does point out sometimes that only that certain writers are and are not reasonable in terms of uh, keeping yeah. an even keel over the ups and downs. Have to you imagine took... that's just him tapping us on the back. Yeah, no, it's certainly praise for us and not criticism of others. Yes. Or, 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 or even... of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, he did take offense to a, were, uh, a question in which which implied the Raptors were dominated on uh, on Monday. Uh, he did not like the use of that word. Guess what? You don't like it. Don't get dominated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very true. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Do you have any other uh, closing thoughts, parting shots, anything like that before we let you get to practice down at the queue or wherever it is? It is down at the queue. Um, I'm curious about how quickly Casey makes changes, and we've talked about that. Uh, you know, one of the big criticisms of Casey in the playoffs uh, is that he waits maybe until something, uh, waits a bit too long to, to do something. I'm just, I'm not sure, like we discussed, I'm not sure there's, necessarily an obvious move to make so it's uh, these are the tough decisions like we talk about coaching decisions like they're easy and they're not and i think people should keep that in mind Dwayne casey is like if he rolls out the same starting five he has defensible logic behind it i think we can agree like even yeah. if we disagree with the choice there is defend there you can defend coming back with the same five right yeah, so, I, that's, that's that's what makes what it tough, right? It, that's what makes it tough from an analysis perspective or, or, you know, a fan perspective and also from the coaching staff's perspective is that you have good justification for the starting five you've used. You have good justification for other starting fives, but none of them are, like, slam dunk obvious choices. So, you know, that can kind of – I think maybe that adds to inertia if you can't really sell yourself on why a change would necessarily give you a better result. Yeah. And the thing with Valanciunas, again, is if you're not starting him, where are you getting him in this series? And, and now if you're not playing him in the second round of the playoffs and you're looking ahead to shopping him on a market flooded with centers this offseason, not that you manage this series by, you know, potential free yeah. agent moves. No, that's but... not the coach's job. Yes. But it is an overarching concern of... You know, the value of centers on the market is already pretty low, and now you're benching yours in a playoff series. Not yeah. Some, uh, some things to monitor as this series progresses. All right, man. Uh, you enjoy the land? Yes. Watch out for you. people defending it? I'm constantly on high alert. All right, man. Thanks so much. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. All right, Blake. Thanks. It's to be. A reasonable man